I want to talk to you about the discipline of blessing others by introducing you to a remarkable woman named Naomi Field. She works out of Cleveland. Uh, she's, I, I believe, entirely retired now, but she was born in Germany. She came to the U.S. And, and worked as a social worker among members of society who were aging and uh, with various forms of dementia, not just Alzheimer's, but vascular dementia, Lewy bodies, whatever dementia was there. At that time, most people with dementia were shunted off to the side and warehoused, and that was it. There was really no care for them except for basic human rights care, uh, hygiene and the like, because it was assumed people with dementia have nothing to say and nothing we say could matter to them. So the world quit listening to our oldest, most vulnerable people. And I won't go into all the whys and hows, although this, it does fascinate me. And you can look her up and, and read about some of this on your own. But Miss Field decided that was not acceptable, and she devised a system to communicate with people with dementia, and she called it validation therapy. The, two, uh, the basic principle of the therapy is a concept of validation. This is a human being, and they are trying to communicate. And whatever they say must be heard, acknowledged, and respected, regardless of whether you agree with the content of it or not, regardless of whether you understand it or not, you notice it, you acknowledge it, and you validate the person. It is a legitimate expression of their feelings. And so they're no longer marginalized or dismissed. Let me give you an example. There was a man that was causing some, a bit of havoc in his wing, and they asked uh, Miss Field if she would come and take a look. Here's the problem. He sat in a wheelchair and had to have a metal tray on there because he's kind of bent over and this is where his stuff was, his medication, his water, his meal. But when it wasn't there, he would bang it and bang it and bang it and bang it and it was driving them nuts. The noise was just driving them nuts. So Naomi Field walked in, looked at him and just watched him for a while. And then, this is important, she got down on his level, looked at him straight in the eyes, and she started banging with him. Now, about this time, the nurses are going, that's not what we called her in for. And she, was, she began to pace him. Pacing is used by therapists all the time. Uh, actions or the speed of your speaking, you match them, and then you bring them where you want them to be most of the time slowing it down. And so she began to slow ever so slightly, and he began to slow ever so slightly, and he would steal looks up at her every so often until they finally got to where they stopped. And he looked up at her and had tears in his eyes. And he said, did I get that one in straight, Daddy? She knew he was trying to say something. He was trying to please a father who had passed on scores of years before or decades before. He was caught and had no way to say who he was as a man until she got into his world. Now, that's very important. She looked him in the eyes. She entered his world. She communicated on his terms. And by doing so, she validated his existence. And here's the payoff. She blessed him. 
And that takes me to John 13. Jesus is concerned about his coming ordeal. Wouldn't you be? The trials, the beatings, the cross. There are no weightier issues than the ones that are on Jesus' mind. We know that. And we focus on that. But what's going on in the room where Jesus is? Those in the room have been arguing about who's greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And they're arguing about who's going to wash the feet. Let me explain. Back in those days, reclining at table was a sign that you were free. Jews to this very day, when they do seder for Passover meal, they, when they do certain eating and drinking, they lean to the left because someone who can recline is a person who is free. We'll talk more about that in a couple of weeks. Everything about this meal is important. This is the biggest holiday of, of the year. I, I, I think I'm going to stick with that. It could be arguable, but I'm going to stick with that. In the Jewish calendar... But you're, you're a bunch of guys been walking around, and you're barefoot, or you may have sandals, but you've been in the dirt, the mud, and there are animals in the street, and they leave a particular solid form of exhaust, shall we say. That's there as well. When you wash feet, you become unclean because of what you've touched. The person who washes the feet is not just the lowest servant. They didn't have lowest servants. They didn't have a servant in this crowd. It's a guy, whoever it is, that person is going to have to go outside and go through ritual cleaning before they can eat, which means the party has already been going on. And they're arguing about who has to go do all of it. And you have to do it because you recline. That means your feet are closer to somebody else than they might like. Look at what John 13, the story. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. That's desperately important to this. Before you can serve another and give up your rights, give up your privileges, give up your money, give up your, your privacy, your privacy, give up whatever it is, you first have to understand who you are. You are a child of God. You are blessed beyond measure. You are rich beyond counting because you are a child of the most holy God. Therefore, you can bend to serve another. You have no need to establish your power, to establish your position. You don't need to look at the person and say, do you know who I am? Because you know who you are. So, because of that, that's so, so important. Because Jesus knew who he was, he got up from the meal, took off, because they're still arguing, and the meal started. Took off his outer clothing, wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. This was not pleasant, by the way. And did you notice, nobody's talking to him until Peter here. I have the feeling they're a little ashamed and afraid to talk to him at this stage. Jesus' face didn't always look... There was, he had an angry face, if you remember. Uh, there was one time, in fact, he said, I'm going to Jerusalem, and they were about to talk him out of it, and then they saw how his face was set, and nobody said a word. So I think that's going on here. Comes to Simon Peter, who is going to talk, because he's Peter. He, he can't help it. 
he has no filters. I don't understand those kind of people, but there it is. And he says, Lord, are, are you going to wash my feet? We might be able to throw some emphasis in there, that, uh, emphases that, that change that. Are you going to wash my feet? We don't really know how it was said. Jesus replied, you don't realize now what I'm doing, but later you will understand. And he's going, no, you'll never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. That, that's kind of weird, but we'll get to that. We'll get to that. Unless you let Jesus work on you, how can we communicate? He, got, he entered their world. He didn't say, guys, understand what I'm going through here. No, he didn't call them to his world. He went into theirs. Unless I wash you, have no part with me. Then Lord Simon Peter says, I love him. Not just my hands, but my feet, but my hands and my head as well. With that water, we, you may not understand what Peter's saying. He's saying, you know, if you're going to be unclean, I'll be unclean. Wash me all over with that water. We'll go off together. We'll walk away from the meal together. It won't, you'll get to come back. But you miss some things. Well, Jesus answered, those that have had a bath need only to wash their feet. <laughs> kind of funny. Their, their whole body is clean, and you're clean, though not every one of you. That's a little hint, a little foreshadowing. For he knew who's going to betray him. And I don't know why I pointed that way. Judas isn't in the room over on that side. I'm pretty sure. That's just a, it was a general gesture, which I now regret. For, for he knew who was going to betray him. And that's why he said not everyone was clean. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his plates. Do you understand what I've done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I've set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Is he saying, all right, get up and wash each other's feet? No, that was already done. So what is he trying to say? Don't spend your life arguing about your importance. Don't spend your life demanding that you preserve your position, your power, and your stuff. Instead, when you see anyone who has a need, stoop, kneel, enter their world, and even at cost to you, bless them. That's a discipline because it goes against everything our culture tells us. Everything. We make demands. Jesus says, no, you enter the world of the person in front of you and you help them. And I love the clothes. You see what I've done, do that. When I was a boy, we would go in and out of Appalachia and I heard hymns there that I hadn't heard since. One of those was make me a channel of blessing and another one was oh the things we can do or may do, you and I, you and I. And the... the um, the lyrics were all about confronting sinners and teaching the gospel, but make me a channel of blessing and such. So I asked Albert, I said, do you know those songs? Because on Fifth Sunday, visitors, you may not know this, one of the highlights, we used to do these in the evening, one of the highlights was whenever Albert Lemons would get up with a little piece of paper he'd written on. 
And it was just lines from different songs. And he'd stand there and lead us in songs that were almost forgotten. Keep standing, Albert. I'm going to just bring you right on in. I've asked him to, if he would lead us in uh, Make Me a Channel of Blessing and then a song his mama taught him, Oh, the Things We May Do. Is your life a channel of blessing? Sing with me. Is the love of God flowing through you? Are you telling the lost of the Savior? Are you ready his service to do? Is your life a channel of blessing? Are you burdened for those that are lost? Have you urged upon those who are straying the Savior who died on the cross? Is your life a channel of blessing? Is it daily telling of him? Have you spoken the word of salvation? To those who are dying in sin, now make me a channel of blessing today. Make me a channel of blessing, I pray. My life possessing, my service blessing. Make me a channel of blessing today. Have you lifted a stone from your brother's way as he struggled along life's road? Have you lovingly touched some frail toil-worn hand shared with someone his heavy load? Have you spoken a word full of hope and cheer have you walked with a slower pace till the weary of heart who were stumbling on took new courage to run the race? Have you held up your light through the shadows dark so that somebody else might see? Have you lived with a Christ through the long, long day, gaining many a victory. Oh, the things we may do, you and I, you and I. Oh, the love we can give if we try. Just a word or a song as we're passing along. It will count in the great by and by. Bow your heads for prayer, please. Our Father in heaven, this we offer to you. Oh, the things we may do, you and I, you and I. Oh, the love we can give if we try. Just a word or a song as we're passing along, it will count in the great by and by. In the holy name of Jesus Christ, and amen. Thank you, Albert. When you have a treasure, you need to get it out every now and then. And Albert, we need, we need to hear from you. The song has great message, but did you notice something? 
this is not a criticism. It's just, it, it's an observation. When you have um, the first one, make me a channel of blessing, was all about reaching the lost. There wasn't, there wasn't a lot about getting on their level. And when we see Jesus, he approaches people where they are. He eats with them, befriends them, serves them, blesses them where they, uh, where they are, and very often doesn't even tell them who he is. We win people with love. You've heard me say this so many times. Love people until they ask you why. Then they're ready for Jesus. Love them until they ask you. Be a channel of blessing. It was Theodore, President Theodore Roosevelt who first said, they will not care how much you know until they know how much you care. And he was right. So where is all this going? A Christian discipline, as Jesus told us in John 13, 17, now that you know these things, you'll be blessed if you do them. We know people around us need a blessing. Maybe they didn't get it from their parents. Maybe they didn't get it from their church. Maybe they didn't get it from their job. Maybe they need a formal blessing. Other times, they just need a, a, a wee bit of help along the way. That's all. Just open the door, help them carry something, smile at them. Yesterday morning, I was at, in a breakfast area of a hotel in Little Rock, and I know, I know, tamp the jealousy down. I, um, and there was a couple across from me, and we, you know, we exchanged pleasantries, and then as we're wrapping up, I was you know, asking them if they were leaving that day, and they, and they said, no, we're staying for a while, and I said, well, I'm on the road. And we talked for a while, but I, I was actually doing something else. I was trying to bless them. They were making it difficult because they, it was obvious they were trying to bless me. I finally looked at the man and I said, you need to know you're making something very difficult for me. And he frowned at me. He says, what? I said, I make it my goal to be the nicest person in any room I enter and you're not letting me win. <laughs> Cammy and I had neighbors in Colorado Springs we were never able to outlove them. We tried. We'd come inside after another failure and going, <laughs> it was such a good plan. I love it when you find somebody else out there being a channel of blessing. When I do seminars on raising children, one of the things I ask parents to do is to catch their children being good. Now this isn't one of those, oh, you're perfect and wonderful in every way things that some parents feel they have to teach their children. No, you don't. No, no, you don't. But when they do something good, catch them every day and say, well done. That was great. That was really good. Pay attention. And then when you can, super praise them. And super praise them means praise them in the hearing of somebody else where others can hear that you really... You have, this is, you're blessing your child by validating them. John Trent and Gary Smalley wrote a book back in the 80s called The Blessing. And it's continually updated and sharpened and, and brought up to, to date with examples and, and latest research. And it's about the gift of unconditional love and acceptance that parents need to give their children, but also that we need to give each other. We need the blessing. The man that was beating, the, he, he evidently, his dad had never told him he'd learned how to use the hammer right. He needed a validation. He needed a moment where they said, you've done well. 
I, I recommend the book. We had a church, the first church we worked at when we came back to America actually used that book for a class and I was so happy to see it continually updated and moved on. But as important as this is, we need to expand our theater a blessing outside of our family. The people we meet every day are in desperate need of a blessing. They're so tired. They're working so hard. They feel like they can't keep up. They look in the mirror and their bodies don't look like what they're told their bodies are supposed to look like. And they see people that, are, that seem to be having it all together and they wonder about themselves. So be the blessing. Be the person they remember at the close of the day. Be the person who spoke to them where they are and acknowledged them. We'll step down. I've got like another two minutes here, Mark, so you don't need to rush the stage, but if you want to get up anytime you can. There's another thread I noticed today in a, in a, in a closed Facebook group. A visitor to the States was asking a bunch of us ministers in that group, uh, is, are you supposed to leave a tip for the housekeeper in hotels? And by the time, when I saw it, it already had like 40 comments from other ministers. And some of the ministers are going, I'm totally opposed to this tip basic economy. And they were going off and on and on. And I was going, what in the world? So I wrote on there, I said, yes. Here's the, the, the amount bubble I give. And I'm not interested in discussions on wage policy. Bless them. My son and I were once in a hotel that was not a Hotel Six. It wanted to be one day. <laughs> that was more of a Hotel 4.1, you know, and he was just a young boy and we were in Missouri at this hotel. And this is back in the ancient days, guys, where um, ATMs were rare and no cell phones or the like. And so we're check, about to check out, and I open up my wallet, and all I had was a 10. And I'm looking, and this is not leave a $10 in 1980-something room, or 1990 it would have been if Duncan's with me, so mid-90s. Um, but I looked at him, and I said, buddy, we don't have to eat lunch, but we have to be good. My son has told me he's never forgotten that. For $10... I got him a lesson that has lasted over 20 years. That's pretty good. Now, I'm not saying be like me. No, be much better than me. Be farther and greater. But let's all stand, please. With all disciplines, it only works if it pra you practice it to the point where it becomes automatic. When people see you as a fountain of blessing, you'll be the person Jesus was asking his disciples to be. Be the fountain.